Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Om Shanti, the time that we choose to be aware doesn't necessarily require me to just sit and meditate, but even while I walk and move around, I can be in a meditative awareness, which is awareness of the soul the original, eternal, imperishable being of light. For a little while, I'd like to invite you to be present, to be here, and to be now. Allow your mind to settle in the moment, to relax. This meditation is about awareness. It's about becoming aware of your original and eternal self. It's about connecting to your truth. Let go of your name. And observe yourself feeling nameless. Let go of your gender to discontinue thinking you're a man or a woman. Let it go and observe how you would feel walking around without a gender. Let go of the role that you play and let go of the titles that you own. Observe how you're feeling as you are gradually letting go. Let go of your religion and put it aside just for now. And let go of your nationality and even the language that you're accustomed to. Imagine you have no name, gender, role, title, religion, nationality, or even a language. Ask yourself. How do you feel at this moment? And in this feeling, who would think of you and who would you think of? the Supreme Soul would think of you and you the liberated soul would think of the Supreme 
in this state of absolute freedom, I am truly who I am. A free, peaceful, pure, immortal, and eternal soul. Allow yourself to just be absorbed in this awareness. At this time,
Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. What a beautiful way to start the day, right? With the incredible Marvin Gaye in Inner City and a timeless piece because it continues to remind us that we can't live our lives based on judgment from anyone because we know what we're going through. And if you were with me the other night at Unity of Washington, D.C., we hosted presidential candidate hopeful Marianne Williamson. That girl got some sounds. My God, her mouth does not close. (laughs) And I'm telling you, uh, I'm not here to say that I'm endorsing a candidate, not yet. I want to hear everybody's story. But it's been, I don't know if I can tell you that in this lifetime, I've not had somebody in the conscious movement actually on a presidential platform stage saying that things have got to give, something's got to change. And the message that I took away from Marianne Williamson yesterday was that um, we are being called as Americans to be honest, to look at ourselves, and to become aware that we're going to need to really do that. That's why we're in the stage that we're in. That's why we're in the state that we're in. So if by chance you're curious like I am, I'm just curious about hearing what she brings to the stage because we do need some light in our politicking, to say the least. Well, you know, it always means a lot to me when you take the time to tune in here. It's it's a touching moment. And my intention for these conversations is for me to grow. And hopefully you're growing along with me too. And that's all that I ask for. I think the rest will just cover itself. I'm really looking forward to my conversation here because my guest today needs no long introduction because... She's divinely appointed, Ianla Bansant. See, I first came across Ianla through her books. It was one day my soul just opened up. Do you all remember that one? And it came to me at the time when I was about five years into my own spiritual awakening. And I thought I was perfect. I mean, I thought I was God sent. Everything was perfect. And you all know that um, I used to walk out and just people would just follow behind me. They would tell me how this light, they thought I was a deity. And let me tell you, everyone, I just said, don't you recognize I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an avatar here? But one day, one day I'm sitting in my meditation room, and I'm having a heart-to-heart conversation with God. Because you got to remember, I'm closing down my two nightclubs in South Beach, finished doing all my stuff, and all of a sudden my awakening comes at a time when I'm in an all-time high, Right. So can you imagine a nightclub owner becoming, what, kind of saintly? No way, that doesn't work. So I'm sitting in my meditation room, and I'm talking to God, who I call Baba. I says, Baba, I'm not what they think I am, because I can still feel my disco and my nightclub going on in my consciousness. And I have to tell you, the whisper that came back to me is, I don't need you to be perfect, I just want you to be honest. And that was when I really just sunk into my journey. And I hope that happens for you, too. But anyway, back to my next guest, because a long time ago, you know, I came up with her book, and I bumped into her, and we've extended a simple hello. But what she might not know is that my hello carried a very deep, quiet appreciation for her work, her gift, and the part that she was playing. So I could go on and on. But here goes for those of you who might need some insight on who she has been, who she is, and who she will continue to become. Ian Levanzant is one of the country's most celebrated writers and public speakers, and she's among the most influential, socially engaged, and acclaimed spiritual life coaches of our time. Her body of work spans over three decades, and that includes over 15 published books, six New York Times bestsellers, CDs, television, radio, and stage performances, host and executive producer of the award-winning hit, Iyanla Fix My Life, which I've watched on occasions. I love it. On OWN Network, Iyanla focuses on faith, empowerment, 
and loving relationships that has inspired millions around the globe. She's a woman of passion, vision, purpose, but she's also the co-founder and executive director of Inner Visions Institute for Spiritual Development, which is right here in the metropolitan D.C. area. Joining us today to talk about her journey and her new book, which I L O B E. It's called Get Over It. Thought Therapy for Healing the Heart Stuff. Plus, I want to hear about her upcoming tour, Acts of Faith Remix Tour. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome my sweet sister, Ianla Bansant. Hey. hey. Good morning. How are you? Good morning to you. I'm so glad to yeah. have you on air today, my sister. I know. We've been trying, so. Well, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I know your stories. A lot of folks who have been sustained by your teachings, they know you. But I'm thinking about the ones that will get to know you and hear more about you. And I just wanted to set the tone for our listeners. Law degree, later served in the number one ranked public defender's office in Philly. How did life change for you where you ended up morphing into something that was of a different form of service? television star, oh, yeah. spiritual life coach. How did that happen? Wow, how did it happen? I, you know, I, I don't think it was any one thing, but mm. what, what I learned was when I realized how miserable I was practicing law, what I learned was I didn't go to law school to become a lawyer. I went to law school to train my mind. My mind had never been trained. I, I didn't know how to do analytical thinking. I didn't know how to communicate effectively. So I thought I was going to study man's law and serve man's law, but I went to train my mind so that I would understand and recognize God's law. So Mm -hmm. when I left practicing law, you know, I I just one day got it and I walked out, never went back. I I don't even know where my law degree is. I think (laughs) I left it hanging on the wall. (laughs) Good. Let it stay there. Well, I mean, that was, what, 30 years ago. So I then really began looking for purpose, looking for what am I going to do next. And through a series of events, when I stopped practicing law, I didn't have a job. I was collecting unemployment, and um, a friend asked me if I would come and teach women who were on public assistance, who were preparing to reenter the workforce, if I would Mm -hmm. come teach them life skills. Because I had been on public assistance, and I went from public assistance to college to law school to practicing law. So I went to teach these women life skills, and it's so beautiful. And and so going there and working with them, I wrote a little workbook for them called Tapping the Power Within. And after years, that became my first publication. That's the first Mm. guy I ever worked in public assistance. But it was a Mm. gift to me from the gift I gave to them. Yeah. Several years after I, I self-published Happening, I don't know how it got around the world. <laughs> I got an offer from a publisher to publish the book. And so I, I never set out to be a writer. I wanted to be a nurse. I mm. like those white uniforms. I come mm. from the time when nurses wore white uniforms and little hats. <laughs> <laughs> that was looking cute. Uh, yeah. Back in the day. Can I jump in here because you said something about when you found your purpose, and I'm going to be asking you some questions that are based on where I am too. Have you ever been where you found your purpose? Have you ever found yourself while on the journey of fulfilling purpose, there was something nudging you inside like there is another purpose to follow? Did you ever go through that? What did you do? Absolutely. Listen. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Okay, you know, but uh, the the thing is, when I have those experiences, when I'm doing what I'm doing or feeling what I'm feeling, the, you know, the the law says get still. So you got to get mm-hmm. still, and and I was able to do that as as much as possible. And when I say get still, I don't mean stop moving. I mean spend more time in prayer, spend more time in meditation, spend more time journaling, spend more time inquiring within and look for the signs and look for the the leadings. Because when you have a effective spiritual practice, you'll be led and yes. things will begin to unfold. So so that's what I did. I just got still. 
I go back and I say, all my life I wanted to be a nurse. I come up from a time when you could go to a vocational high school and you would get an LPN certification by the time you finish high school. But my father didn't want me to go to a vocational high school. He wanted me to go to an academic high school so I could go to college. Who knew, mm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I went to an academic high school and got pregnant. <laughs> I never uh, of got course. Pregnant. I mean, I what better degree could you get than that? <laughs> okay. All righty. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, I, was, I was 30 when I went to college, but I always wanted to be a nurse. What it took me almost 35 years to realize that I wanted to be in the healing um, mm. arts or to facilitate healing, support healing. And to me at that time, it looked like nursing. Well, here we are, you know, 40 years later, and I'm in the healing arts or facilitating healing, but not in the way I thought. So that just shows us how if we get still and if we listen and if we follow the leadings and the guidings, the purpose will unfold, and it probably won't look anything like we thought it would look. Mm, it never does. It never does. For some of our listeners who are on the fence of getting into their awakening, which we're happy to say so many of our listeners are millennials and they're thinking about it, that's what makes the show safe for them to tune into. When you say still, sometimes folks would be like, let me go for a walk in the park or let me shut the door, let me you know, pull myself away from people. But I know still means something much deeper. You did mention prayer, you did mention journal, and you did mention meditation. So when you get into your stillness, how does it feel? Can you help us to kind of identify when we are still? Because I can be in a room, Ianla, without any sound, but my mind ain't still. Help me. Yes. Or I can be in a room with thousands of people and my mind is still. And your mind is still. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, you know, and everybody's different, you know, every, everyone has a different experience. But for me, stillness is that quiet knowing that comes with it. For me, it feels like what I've come to know over the years is just oneness, a peace oneness, mm-hmm. not separated from anything or anyone. And you can find that stillness wherever you are if you have the connection. And if you don't have the connection, it doesn't matter where you are, you're not going to find that stillness. (laughs) I think stillness is not reaching for anything, not searching for anything, not longing for anything. It's that instance of just being, just being. And for me, breath takes me to stillness when I can anchor in just being present with my inhale and my exhale, just the inhale and the exhale and allowing breath breathe me. I don't have to work at it. You know, the body is such a intricately defined and wonderful instrument. If if you don't force it, it, it knows what to do. Mm-hmm. So just just that quiet oneness, that peaceful oneness, that sense of knowing and connection. That's what it is mm-hmm. for me. It may be something different for somebody else, but I tell you this. Yeah. If you say, okay, let me go get still, chances are you're not going to get still. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Uh, yeah. Can I tell you that Mm -hmm. just recently, just recently, I've, um, I would say maybe within the last eight months, I've been starting to use breath. And the reason why is here I am decades later on my own spiritual journey And even though the answers are there, sometimes it still doesn't help the deeper layer of stuff that I I need to address. But when Mm -hmm. I breathe, it's like it gets addressed. I'm with you on that breathing. It really is good. Yeah. It really is. Well, you know, the most powerful sound of breath is ah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ah is the most ancient name for the sound of the creator, whether we know it as Patah or Allah or Jehovah, Amen, Ra, you know, that ah yeah. sound. And when you when you get into the stillness, you're just in the ah. <laughs> yes, yes, I love that. That's beautiful. One of the things that I think I love about you is your openness, your transparency with 
your struggles. For many of us back in the day, when we were going through something, we couldn't speak up. It was like, remember it was if somebody would put a sock in your mouth and you just could, oh, you're, yeah. not supposed to, you're not supposed to say anything. And would you say it's, it's the last maybe 10 or 15 years we're really getting that permission more to speak up and just release what we're holding, not that we need someone to validate us or, or someone to give me the answer, but to release that energy of pain that's sitting in the soul, and we speak about it with that intent just to release it. So you've had this incredible faith and trust, and, and with no shame, with absolutely no shame, because, girl, you've been doing some stuff. And I'm like, gosh, you're so bold. I, you know, I still find myself holding things. I go, I'm not ready yet to release that. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. yet with you, I can see that you open up. What's the source of that strength? What, what did you figure out that you know, helped you to keep facing these struggles, talking about the struggles? I mean, how did you, how did you get there? Well, for me, again, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has their own path, their own journey. I get that. I grew mm-hmm. up, I grew up thinking that one woman was my mother who wasn't. My natural birth mother died when I was two, and nobody bothered to tell me. Instead, mm-hmm. they told me that another woman, who I loved dearly, uh, was my mother, and I didn't find out until I was thirty that she wasn't mm-hmm. my mother. And so, in that moment, and the le- the depth of devastation that I experienced, that my entire life had been a lie, and mm. and how people look in your look in your face and hide things from you or know things about you and don't tell you. I made a commitment to myself then I would never, ever, ever do that. I would never. The other thing is, one of my great teachers, my godfather, Oshun Kunle, in my initiation. He said to me, you know, of all the things in the world, what would you love to be? And I mm-hmm. thought about it for a while. I was young, maybe 25. And he said, I said, I'd like to be a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you like to be a chicken? I said, because people love chicken. You know, they eat, they fry it, they bake it, they keep it, you know. <laughs> like, I didn't think that they would eat me. But, you know, yeah. he said, wow. He said, okay, I can understand that. He said, me I want to be a cool glass of water because mm-hmm. I want to be transparent at all times. As long as I'm transparent at all times, there's nothing about me anybody can use against me. I said, mm-hmm. bingo, that's it. So mm-hmm. between, you know, making the internal commitment that I would never live my life the way the big people lived my life, you know, lying to me, hiding yeah. from me, and and to live my life as a cool glass of water and a nice pair of heels. That's it. Ooh. <laughs> See, for me, it'll be a cool glass of water and a nice Armani jacket. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to your new book, Get Over It. I love it. Can I tell you that I've gotten the Audible download? And just even two nights ago, I'm just laying in bed and I'm listening to it. And I was on my way to listen to Marianne Williamson speak at Unity. And I was yes, listening to yes. it, me and my mother, and it resonates so much with my teachings in Raj Yoga Meditation taught by the Brahma Kumari. Yes. So your book, Get Over It, Thought Therapy for Healing the Hard Stuff, please tell me more about it because you have given every single reader of that book, <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, the tools, the tools. What got yeah. you to this place in authoring this book? Paying attention to why I couldn't move beyond where I was at any given time. Mm-hmm. Really starting to pay attention. And what I learned and studied and came to understand that it's about your thoughts. You can pray till your lips fall off. You can meditate till your eyeballs stick together. You can rub 87 crystals on your head. But if you Mm -hmm. don't change your thinking, nothing is going to change. And people get stuck, and they can't get over to the other side because they do the things uh, uh, they think they have to do and never become the thing that they're seeking. And so the way to get over it is to become what it is you're seeking, whether it's peace or love or joy, abundance, wealth, health, whatever it is, to become that by transforming your dominant thought patterns because that's where it is. 
nowadays even quantum physicists, you know, they've got scientific evidence to what happens in the mind. So by paying attention, uh, it was a 40-year relationship. I spent 40 years in relationship with one person, in and out, up and down, back and forth. And it took me 40 years to realize he was not my father. He was not going to give me what my father did me. And I was okay. You know, 40 years. (laughs) I was in special ed, (laughs) relationship special ed. And Mm. so, but trying to heal myself from that really began to, I mean, ruthless, ruthless investigation of my thoughts. So that's why in get over it, I have identified the dominant negative thought patterns, many of them, that support our emotional experiences so that we can go in and neutralize that dominant negative thought pattern and then begin to replace it with something else. And what I offer to replace it with is prayer, affirmation and prayers, so that once you take that thought out, you can put a positive thought in. That's how you're going to get over it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, there's even more to it because there's something that you talk about, that deep-rooted subconscious. We call it the samskaras, yeah. which are the deep memories, and those are channeling the thoughts and the emotions yeah. towards us. But then we have to step up and make that shift. What happens when some of us have just gotten addicted to the suffering I mean, I I say this because my mother is in this, my mother is in this, and I'm in my own form of suffering, and you can try to determine that your suffering seems less or more than others. Suffering is suffering. But I've seen her hold on. Now, keep in mind, Ianla, orphaned at seven, abandoned, had me at 17. You can only know the stories that have gone on. She had to go identify her mother's dead body and walk among 250 dead bodies to find her mother's body. So her trauma was so intense, she has held that. And when I see her today, this beautiful divine person, at the same token, you can just see she just has that pain, and she doesn't know what to do with it. And I don't even know what else to tell her because I know it's a thought. What do we do when the suffering has become an addiction? You you said the magic word, trauma. And... Trauma, when left unattended for so long, it leaves a scar on the soul. And so the healing is, it really has to be intense and deep and consistent. And sometimes people get addicted to their trauma because they don't know who they will be without it. You know, because to hold on to the trauma, it occupies your time. It gives you something to do, something to talk about. And, of course, none of this is conscious. None of us want yeah, to never create is. our own <laughs> suffering. Right. But it, well, who would she be without it? And maybe the thought as an orphan child that she has, perhaps she doesn't know that who she will be without the trauma is enough to occupy her time and sustain her well-being. Mm. That, and, you know, God is as instant as we are. She could be healed in an instant. She'd have yeah. to then practice the things that would keep her healed. But, you know, what's a better deal? Right now, the, you know, the trauma, the suffering gets her what she wants. She has what she needs. She's okay with who she is, even if she complains about it. I'm not talking about your mother because, you know, we don't talk about people's mamas. But I'm talking about That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's you okay. know, the great philosopher Mary the great philosopher Mary J. Blige said, No more drama and some people <laughs> said, You're kidding me. No more drama. Well what would I do? If that I don't exactly. have the drama. <laughs> so it's the unaddressed trauma and Sister Jenna, there are hundreds of thousands of people walking around in every walk of life, every race every economic background, every gender, sexual identity with unaddressed trauma, unaddressed trauma. And then what happens is they recreate it over and over. So the impression gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And the way out is choice, has to be a choice. Yeah. And it's it's funny, you know, Ilana, because she look at me and she says, I don't even know how I made you. And I go, what do you mean? 
I made you made me, I made you, we're, we're in this together. And here's what I'm trying to say. Despite whatever she has been through, why I honor and respect her so much is how did she protect me from being raped, molested, abused, abandoned? How did she end up protecting me? So, you know, I keep pointing out to her, but look at the love you've got in you. Look, you know? And so, again, I I wait for that one day when God and her will just say, "I'm you ready?" And she'll just say, "Yeah." And she's just she just wakes yeah. up and, and moves on. Right. So listen, in the right. book, in the book, you talk about the four A's, which I really, really love. You see, you just no yeah. good for me. I'm supposed to be talking about your book, and now I'm getting therapy from you. <laughs> All right, hold on. So the four A's: awareness, acknowledgement, yeah. acceptance, yeah. and yeah. action. Yeah. How can the four yeah. A's alert us to you know get over negative thought patterns? Well, you first have to become aware of the thought pattern. You have to become aware of it. I tell people all the time, you know, they say, I want this, I want that. Oh, I can't afford that. I can't afford that. Well, then you're not even aware that it's your speaking and your thinking that's keeping it from you, not the fact that you don't have the money. <laughs> you know, so you've got to become aware of the thought pattern, of the behavior, of the belief that holds the thought pattern in place. I talk about yeah. that in the book, which came first, the chicken or the egg, the belief or the mm-hmm. thought. But you've got to become aware of it first. And I give stories, you know, the beautiful story about Russell and his grandmother and his mother. Oh, that's doing fine today. So you have to read the book to know what I'm talking about. Once you become aware, and this is where people fall down, once you become aware, then you must acknowledge. Acknowledgement is really the key step towards healing. Once you become aware that you're a negative thinker or a liar or you know, a drama queen or a control freak or whatever it is, acknowledge it to yourself, yeah. to the creator. If you really are courageous, you'll acknowledge it to another person. And then accept it. Don't try to fix it. Accept it. And ask the Holy Spirit, the divine forces, to explain to you what purpose that serves so that you can accept it. Because usually once we become aware of something about ourselves and we acknowledge it to ourselves, then we beat ourselves up about it. Oh, yeah. I'm a control freak, or I'm, you know, whatever I am. So accept it. Just be okay with it. And and my thing about acceptance is, you know, I used to date married men, but I'm better now. <laughs> I used to date married I'm better now, you know. I only dated one, but, hey, he was still married. But One um, is enough. <laughs> I'm better now. Right. You know, I used to have a hard time looking at my flaws and my weaknesses, but I'm better now. That's how I get to acceptance. I'm better now. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I do it all the time. Some things still rub me the wrong way, but I'm better than I used to be. So once you become aware and acknowledge and you accept, then do something. Do something Mm -hmm. different. Don't keep doing the same wahala and craziness and think that you're going to change. You have to do something just a little. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Don't do like I do. Every time you join the gym, you go out to the Target and buy five new sweatsuits <laughs> that you don't wear because you don't go to the gym. <laughs> so I stopped doing that. Now I get up out the bed, I do my five stretches, my 20 push-ups on the wall, and that's it. And I, don't, I can be naked. I don't have to have a new sweatsuit from Target to do that. <laughs> but you've got to do something once you become aware because if not, then, you know, awareness without action, acknowledgement without action leads leads you right back to where you are. It must be fun living in your soul, huh? <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes it's very confusing. <laughs> That's I'm okay. like, oh, wait a minute, hold on. You know, am I holy today or am I getting ready to yoke somebody in the neck? <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> In the book, you also mentioned the 42 dominant negative thoughts. Is there one or two in particular that you found that are really common in all of us? Yeah. Mm. It's not good enough. They're not good enough. But I, I feel it's not good enough. Yeah, not good enough. And not enough. I don't have enough. I didn't do enough. I'll never have enough. I can't be enough. You're not enough. This is So those two, I think, everybody has them at some uh, Not good enough. And not enough. Because, you know, we live in a, a society that promotes lack. You got to have this. You got to afford that. So those two things, I think, are where a lot of us get stuck. Yeah, I get, I get that. 
sometimes when I have to go back into the family reunion, because I'm like the anomaly in the family. They call me the rebel uh-huh, with a yeah. cause. And yeah. I go back home, and they're looking at you like, oh, was she up to now? And I used to be yeah. like, well, well, you're, why? You're, you're a rebel. I was a freak of nature. <laughs> I just, yeah. I scared them to death. I scared oh. them. They didn't know what I was doing. And get out of here with that strange stuff. Don't come over here meditating and blowing your incense. You devil work. Yeah. Yeah, but I can, I'm can. i sure they saw your power and what your future would be like. They just weren't sure. I know we're coming to a close to our beautiful conversation, but can't end without talking about Fix My Life. The show is doing great. Uh, what season is this now? Seven. Seven. Yeah, was- I saw one with you and this young girl whose father had brought her, and this you tried everything to help this kid. I don't know if you remember her. She was so yeah. raw inside oh, my, that you had to pause. You remember that one? My yeah, God. How could I forget? <laughs> Did you ever reconnect yeah. with her after that? She wasn't ready. You know, yeah. Sister Jenna, you, you have to be ready to do this yeah. work. You have to be ready to heal. You have to be ready to take responsibility. She was a baby. She was young, 19 years old. And unaddressed trauma. This is a child who was kidnapped from the hospital when she was eight hours old, raised by a woman, only to discover at 17 that that woman was not her mother. The woman was subsequently arrested. She was reunited with her birth parents, who didn't want her to have a relationship with the woman who had raised her. So, And she was just young. She wasn't ready. And her mother was really the one who wrote in. And then her mother, the birth mother, chose not to come to the show. Day before, they were coming. So there's another abandonment. So the yes. depth of trauma for her was so devastating. And then nobody, no one knew how to, they just really wanted to keep her happy. And mm. I was not on the keep her happy committee. I'm on the <laughs> Let's Get You Healed committee. Yeah, <laughs> so. that was obvious. What have you been learning the most about Iyanla in terms of when you do Fix My Life seven seasons later? What have you been learning more about you? The depth of love that I'm capable of. You know, we grow up thinking that love is about between us and another person or between us and other people. And what I learned is, you know, love is the essence of who I am. And if I just trust that love stay present in that love, that it doesn't matter who's in front of me, it doesn't matter what they're saying or what they're doing, that I can still love them. Uh, and I didn't know that. I did not know that. That's powerful. It's powerful. Well, look, I can't end the show without talking about your Acts of Faith remix tour. You must be excited. I hope you really pace yourself. I you got a lot. That's 30 cities. 30 cities. But, you know, Acts of Faith, my second book, after tap, my book after tapping the power within is 25 years old. Oh my God! I was talking to somebody the other day about acts of faith, and he was 28. I said you were three when I wrote this book. <laughs> so the thing is that so many things have changed, Sister Jenna. You know, so many. I remember when I wrote Acts of Faith, my biggest thrill was to be able to go into Borders Bookstore and do a book sign, and now there's no Borders. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> And also, how we process information is different. So I didn't change any of the original text. The original text is still as it is, and I added a reflection. So each day now you have a reflection, something to do, because we can no longer be passive in our faith. We've got to act on faith every single day. And the other Mm -hmm. thing is, you know, back then I was really niched as a black writer, I was black, and my audience was black, and it was either just going to be black. But now we're moving into, you know, we're in such a diverse world. And it's so important that when we say people of color, you know, we include everyone. People look at my skin, they think I'm black. They don't know that I'm part Native American, part Cuban. They just assume that because my skin is brown that I'm African American, but I'm really a mix of all of the indigenous people. So 
I want to take the wisdom of acts of faith where I quote everyone from the Dalai Lama to John F. Kennedy to Thurgood Marshall, Howard Thurman, where I quote everyone. I want to take the wisdom of that book from the page and bring it to the stage so that we have a new paradigm for how to act on faith in this very chaotic world we live in. So I'm really excited. Plus, you know, I love fixing my life. I love writing books. But my real love is people. Yeah. My real love. I love yeah. people. So to be able to yeah. come to 30 cities and talk to people and work with them and talk to them about energy and the power of energy and how we need to shift our energy. I made a special, you know, I have a line of body products called Masterpiece. Masterpiece mm. Body Therapy. Tell me more about that. And I, well, my daughter Jamia, before she made her transition, started mm. a line of products for hair that would not only clean your hair, but increase your energy. She was an aromatherapist, so she used essential oils. And I'm, a, you know, a homegrown herbalist. My mother was a native, my grandmother was a Native American, so she mm-hmm. taught me about herbs from the time I was three. So between my herbal combination and Jamia's aromatherapy combination, she created this line of products originally for hair because hair is like an antenna. It picks up energy. It emits energy. So after her transition, I took her basic formulas and translated them to a body wash because we've got to clean up our energy. We have to clean up our energy. That's another important part of our healing and our growing. You know, we, yeah. we do all of this work, but then we don't clean the energy off our body, the environmental toxins and the emotional toxins. So I created a line of body wash, body butter, body scrub, so that we can balance our energy with the sacred herbs and oil. And I made handmade, a handmade, a special blend just for this tour. It's called Faith in Action. It's got nine herbs. I'm so excited. So that's my love. <laughs> Oh, I love it. We're so excited for you, too. We're really excited for you. We'll do as much as we can to send the message, especially when you're here in Washington. So lots of your students from Inner Visions Institute have come by the Meditation Museum, and I really hope that you'll stop by one day and we'll do a nice chit-chat and continue. But let our listeners know a little bit about Inner Vision, its mission, and our conversation has been so rich that if we can end it with 10 seconds of silence, I think we would have gifted our listeners something profoundly transformative. Yeah. You know, what I discovered in my process was nobody taught me the skills, tools, principles that I needed to step into my authentic self. Yeah. I just didn't get it. I got algebra. I got chemistry. I got reading. I got writing. I did not get the skills and the tools on how to be human. I started InnoVisions Institute Personal Development Program to teach people the universal laws and spiritual principles that are designed to help us step into our true identity. And then that grew into training spiritual life coaches because I'm a spiritual life coach and also ministers of spiritual consciousness because we need a different kind of minister today, not just one who has a church and, you know, quotes sacred text, but one who can meet people where they are and hold a vision for them to get to a higher level. So we do all of that at um, Inner Visions. It's based right in Maryland. So you can go to Inner Visions Worldwide. We're getting ready to, our new class is coming in in July. So go take a look and see if that's something you might be interested in. You're lovely. We love you. Leave us with a blessing and then we'll hold a moment of silence and from the bottom of our hearts here we only wish you continued, continued protection, love, success, and just that power of light that wherever you go, you just keep everyone's life. So thank you so much, my sweet sister. Thank you so much. Thank you, my sister. Thank you. And my blessing to you and your audience would be to remember that God is and all that God is, I am. Just hold that each and every day. All right. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Blessings to everyone. Take care. So we'll hold our moment of silence. And we'll just absorb and receive the thought therapy that we just were gifted 
by Ilana. And so it is. All right, my sweet sister. Blessings to you. Thank you. Have a blessed day. <laughs> Same way. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye bye. <laughs> All right. So I hope everyone enjoyed that conversation with the beautiful Ianla Vansant. It gives me great, great privilege to have had her on this special conversation. And there's so much that we were gifted with to see how we can make changes and to come into our own enlightenment. You can watch her on Iyanla Fix My Life. And her Act of Faith Remix Tour is launched on May 29th, but Iyanla will be with us in the nation's capital in Bethesda on June 26th. So hopefully you can get some more information on her tickets. Just go to her website at iyanla.com or at innervisionworldwide.com. So remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here. We really are here to love each other the same. I'm going to end today's show with thank you from Paul Leftenegger. Take care, everyone. Be kind.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.